0: are you enjoying bourbon podcast be sure to leave us a review let us know how we're doing and by the way thanks for listening welcome to bourbon podcast hey the gang's back together kyle is here we missed him last week
1: missed you guys
2: wasn't the same without
0: you. You did not miss us. I did. Hey, you know what? Uh, Mary Ann Eves is on the show today. Super excited about that. You know, she was on the Today Show. I'm sure this is going to be the highlight of her career, right?
1: She's like <laughs> rethinking her life choices coming on Bourbon Podcast after the Today Show.
0: <laughs> yeah, she's so like, well, I did the Today Show. Now I think I'll do Bourbon Podcast. <laughs> yeah, so the the here's what happened. I had emailed her months ago when i heard that she was starting uh forbidden and didn't get a response now i just went to the general email so I, I don't hold that against her but i got in trouble uh my wife saw her on the today show and called me and said why haven't you had her on bourbon podcast and i said well honey i, I she said what she's the kentucky's first female master distiller what what this is the why haven't you had her on i swear i'll email her right now and i did and you know what she responded immediately so he's so excited to have her on. Obviously, she is, um, she's doing great things starting uh, Forbidden. Of course, she had started up uh, Castle and Key. She was with uh, Brown Foreman for a while. She's, um, she's uh, pretty impressive and anxious to talk to her about uh, her new venture.
2: Forbidden. She's a
1: big timer. I've been following her career. I mean, I probably since, yeah, Woodford, Brown Foreman, because she, right. you know, yes. she's yeah. been a big name for a long well, time. She's going
0: to be the first master, the, the next master distiller at Woodford and then left to go with Castle and Key, right? Yep. If, if I recall. Well, Let's get some news and then uh, we'll talk to her in just a second. Maker's Mark, one of Kentucky's best-selling premium bourbons, is finally answering whiskey lovers' calls for an older product. Kyle and I were actually talking about this just a minute ago. The popular distillery is introducing a new permanent addition to its bourbon lineup called Cellar Aged. And the inaugural version is a blend of 87% barrels aged 12 years and 13% barrels aged 11 years. For nearly 70 years, Maker's Mark has been selling its weeded bourbon aged around six years, creating a creamy soft flavor and mouthfeel that has been sought after among bourbon fans worldwide. Consumers have been begging for an older Maker's Mark for years, says Beth Buckner, Senior Manager of Innovation and Blending for the brand. And we've always said no until now. The distillery plans to release a limited amount of cellar aged annually in September, only about 30,000 bottles. That
2: seems like a lot to me.
1: 30 not, yeah, bottles. that's not a tiny amount.
2: You know, if you, when you, uh, microphone, MC, uh, when you, you think about 50 states, you know, hundreds of cities, uh, you know, you start dividing it up like, well, how many bottles go to, to the X level, then down to the lowest level? That kind of a release might mean, a dozen bottles, you know, in West Virginia, maybe 20 max, you know. So there it's it's still that's still fairly limited. When you think about some of these limited that are 50,000 bottles.
0: Joe will have uh probably 15 of the 20 in West Virginia, just so everybody else will know. Uh the 2023 version is 115.7 proof, uh which is well above the uh, their traditional 90 proof MSRP of $150. Cellar uh, Age will be available to buy at the distillery gift shop on September fifteenth. Actually, I'm going to be over that way on September. Oh, no, stop yeah.
1: It's cool. Do you see they? So they're aging in the rick houses, the normal six years or seven years or whatever, and then they're moving to the cellar where it's like cooler and more. So they're slowing down hmm. on a relative basis the aging for the last five or six years.
0: Yeah, I'm anxious to try it. Well, I think so. but well, you know they'd we just,
2: always. We just reviewed, you know, the their limited edition, and so it's kind of a, a good timing to yeah, travelers.
0: I think so too. Heaven Hill unveils Spring twenty three Old Fitz Bottled in Bond Bourbon as summer winds down and fall approaches, bringing with it bourbon hunting season twenty twenty three. Heaven Hill has announced the Spring twenty twenty three edition of the Old Fitzgerald Bottled in Bond series. Now, let's see, the last one was nineteen years. The one before that was seventeen years, if I recall. Comprised of barrels produced during the spring season, lasting from January to June of 2013 and bottled in the spring of 23. The 11th national release of this line is a 10-year-old expression.
1: Is this the youngest? No.
0: No. there there like a nine? I think there was a a nine. I don't know if there was an eight or not. At least there was a nine. nine.
2: Yeah, Yeah. for sure. There were two nine. I think there were like two
1: nine-year-old releases. Joe, I can't. I'm going to have to correct you the whole time. Lean in towards the mic when you're speaking. (laughs)
2: We got to
0: share story my- very interesting. that's okay yeah. let's let's finish out the news and then we'll share when we get when we get Marianne on here. Uh, the old Fistler, uh, bottle and bond spring edition meets strict requirements of bottled and bond, the product of a single distillery from a single distillery uh distilling season, aged a minimum of four years and bottled at 100 proof uh nine ninety99 MSRP seven hundred and fifty milliliters. Heaven, Acquire, Heaven Hill acquired the old Fitzgerald uh, in 1999.
2: I do have something to say here because I thought they were A going way. to discontinue the the decanter series, you know, the bottle and bond. And sure enough, uh, the, all those rumors are out there. They're incorrect. So here we go. We've got uh, another probably fall of this year, right? And then spring of next year, usually they followed up with the back-to-back series, but, oh, I don't know. Um, I hope they, I hope it makes it West Virginia just to, may I'll try one, what the heck. But I mean, the other ones are so much older, so we'll see. The
1: bottle itself, I mean, it's like one of the coolest bottles out there. Maybe the it coolest. Is. I mean, it's a beautiful, I don't say that about many product. That's a beautiful bottle.
0: Well, it's, I'll tell you the, um, for the folks that have seen Forbidden, it's got a very unique bottle too. I'm going to ask Marianne about that yeah. in, in a little bit, but so the, you know, the 19 year um, old Fitzgerald got mixed reviews. The 17 year, I, the reviews almost unanimously were positive, but the 19 year people were saying, eh, it's a little too much. It's a little over-oaked. It's a little, little much, but uh, I tried them both. I, I really enjoyed them. I can't say that I preferred the 17 over the 19, but um I would never turn down a pour of either one and I probably won't turn down a pour of the 10 year either.
1: Correct.
2: Quickly, is that going to be uh under like their green label series? Okay, so it'll be be widely distributed. That's good. Okay.
0: Yeah, it'll be the green label. Virginia. Hey, Virginia. We've uh, we, you've been in the news several times on bourbon <laughs> podcast. Virginia revamps the uh, rare whiskey lottery system after the uproar over airs. They call it airs. Um It seemed it didn't seem like errors to me when you know just a couple people win all of the allocated bourbon in Virginia. That seemed more like a fix than than errors. But what do I know? Changes are coming the way uh, Virginia dishes out rare bottles of whiskey. Uh, Here's the deal: the Virginia Alcoholic Beverage Control Authority ABC occasionally gets rare bottles of liquor, which these days they distribute in Virginia uh, via lottery. The bottles are bottles are highly sought after because the state sells them at MSRP, whereas they can uh, go for much more in the secondary market. Uh, when these lotteries come out, everyone uh, it gets all excited, and it's very difficult to get them. As we mentioned in uh, prior episodes, uh, several people had won all the bottles. Uh, <laughs> oh, <laughs> with, known as it, the Joe
1: Nassif's of Virginia. Yeah, the, the Nassif's
0: <laughs> of Virginia. We. And I think we we tried to calculate the odds of that actually happening. And I think I think you were more likely to win the uh, Powerball and get struck by lightning on the same day than to win all the bottles of the Virginia lottery. But whatever, we'll just call it a statistical anomaly. Uh, in fact, I think that's what Virginia called it, uh, statistically abnormal results. Anyway, they're fixing it. Um, in order to enter now, there's so much information that they require i mean it's like they're going to require blood samples you know i mean it's it's really difficult now you've got to give your you know your social the last four your driver's license you've got to give photo id it's um it is uh, quite the system
1: now
2: i was going to say Kyle don't even get me started on liquor controlled states
1: oh I, you know I'm on West the same Virginia, page yeah
2: but you know it shows you that I mean the system and the bugs would be much more efficient if if I think they would just let the private market do its thing. And so this is yeah. yet another attempt to try to make things, quote, fair. And the end result inevitably is going to be unfair.
1: It <laughs> could turn into a financial podcast if we're not careful. But I agree. I agree oh, yeah. 100%. It's ridiculous. It just well, skews we, things even more. It
0: yeah. just gives us more to talk about on the news next time they screw it up. <laughs> hey folks, next we've got uh chemical engineer turned master distiller, Marianne Eves. Are you enjoying bourbon podcast? Be sure to leave us a review. Let us know how we're doing. And by the way, thanks for listening. Marianne Eves. Thanks for joining us.
3: Appreciate for you, having
0: me. I appreciate you coming on. So let me tell you, I had reached out when I heard that you were starting for a bit, I sent an email to like the general email account. And then you were on, the today show. And my wife called me and she said, why haven't you had her on? She's Kentucky's first female master distiller. Why has she climbed all over me? So I emailed you immediately because I was in deep trouble and you responded immediately. So thank you for responding immediately. And thank you for coming on our show.
3: (laughs) That's what I'm here for. Yeah. Saving saving,
1: Saving
0: marriages,
3: angry, angry wives. Yeah. (laughs)
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, she was very offended that we had not invited you on, but I, I even showed her the email we could start way back when you were a chemical engineer I mean where do you even start on this I mean it's such a such a great story I mean you you' you go to school you were a chemical engineer and then you become a master distiller how did that happen
3: just kind of like moving my way through the industry so I got my chemical engineering degree and I got an internship working for brown Foreman worked there for six years from yeah from uh, 2009 to 2015 uh, and that's when I moved over to Castle and Key and became Kentucky's first female master distiller. So I was working my way up the ranks while I was working for Round Foreman, um, protege to master distiller Chris Morris, um, the company's master taster. And I I don't know, I just fell in love with the industry. I I had no idea that bourbon was even a career choice, <laughs> a career option, but um I, it's a really safe job for a chemical engineer. So, well,
1: that, I guess that I guess that makes sense. I'm also a chemical engineer. It's not not really what I do today, but we yeah. have that in common. Yeah, it's, it's, I wasn't really smart enough to do it full time. If, if you guys
2: start <laughs>
0: if you guys start talking nerdy on us, everybody's no. gonna drop off. So,
2: no, no, no. that's it. <laughs> that's why we have this. that's my last
1: kemi comment.
0: So, you know, the you said it wasn't really a uh, a career, but you know, now I think even University of Kentucky is offering careers. For distilling, right? I mean, they're yeah, they are, they're they're often
3: programs. the James B Beam Institute for distilling at the University of Kentucky, and I missed it. They gave they invited me, and then I just totally forgot. I was mm-hmm. hanging out with my two children. Yeah. <laughs> the next day, i saw it on Instagram. I was like, no.
0: <laughs> oh yeah, that, that's I think that's where I saw it as well. So, you're at Brown Foreman. You go to Castle Key. You were in the documentary Neat as well, right? Yes. That's what I thought. I remember seeing you in that. I haven't watched that in a few years, but you decided after all this, now you're going to start your own, your own label, your own brand. Tell me, tell me about that decision.
3: Well, I wouldn't say it happened after all of this. It was kind of during all of this. Mm -hmm. So I um, decided to make the move from uh, Brown Foreman to Castle and Key in 2015 and in that time, um, my now partners in Forbidden Bourbon reached out to me. Um, they wanted to talk to me about getting involved with their brand. They wanted to do something different with bourbon. And I was like, you know, I I don't own a distillery, but I mean, I, I guess I kind of did. I was a partner in Castle and Key, but I was like, you know, you need to talk to my business partners. Maybe this is something we could do together and so we had a meeting very early on i mean this is way early in in the life of uh, that distillery before um the the (laughs) the distillery had anything like in power hooked up or so um you know we got together they they liked each other we signed a contract they were castle and keys first contract client and I started developing the recipe because that was something that we included in the the package, the full service package. Uh, so I went through a lot of different iterations. Uh, it, was, it was a nice, I think, compliment to the, the work that I was already doing because I knew I wanted to use white corn for castle and ghee because that was historic to Colonel Taylor. He used mm-hmm. white corn in the old Taylor recipes, um, not so anymore um but i went back to history and i was already like looking at these different processes and these different ingredients and um i i really enjoyed the whole sorry about that the whole process of um developing what would become forbidden so experimentation and and, and recipe development started in 2016 so it's been you know a project 8 years in the making to now and so,
0: so- Were you thinking back then this was the path or were you thinking it was um, you were just trying to create something cool? I mean, were you were you were you always thinking maybe I'll do my own brand?
3: Well, it it was their brand. It was these guys that that came to uh, me, uh, uh, you know, approached me. They wanted me to be a part of it, Um, but I wasn't um, involved in 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 a way like i am now i'm now a part owner after since leaving castle and key they brought me on as a owner in forbidden um there was a time you know i was kind of questioning what i wanted to do um there was a, a period of burnout and overworked and i just kind of lost my my passion and um they were persistent <laughs> and I just think that they're genuinely nice humans that I get to work with on this forbidden bourbon project. So, um, it it's okay. So we, do we want to dive into that or you want to.
0: Yeah. you go. go ahead well,
1: I've got a question Ben. Yeah, so is some of the dis, uh, distillate for forbidden from Castle and Key or did it end up all, was that all, BBC or is there you like know, a- it
3: was it was distilled initially at Castle and Key so I developed the recipe there and then two years later in 2018 we did the first production for them so I distilled it myself um I was there when the first load of white wheat arrived at the distillery and it was the most beautiful truckload of grain I'd ever seen uh it was immaculate so and then I think that's the difference between using food grade grain and and feed grade grain. So there are certain tolerances for foreign material and, you know, different, um, grades and moisture content and this thing called aflatoxin. But when you're going into a human food source, like white wheat is used for breads and crackers and that sort of thing. Um, you can't have, I mean, it's a much tighter margin Um, for any of those things. So it looked like seed quality grain, honestly. Uh, So we unloaded that into the distillery and, and there were really beautiful fermentations and the distillate coming off of the still was really beautiful. I I remember it distinctly. I, I didn't know that my future was their brand. <laughs> uh, but uh, you know I I do remember how proud I was of the that first run, the, these first, you know, now 500 barrels that I get to play with to create the initial batches of Forbidden.
1: So then so, at some point though it switched, right? So you're distilling now with Bardstown, is that correct?
3: When I left a year after okay. they filled that first batch, we took a year um another year to decide where it was going to be. We did talk to Castle and Key about continuing on in production, but they had some um, constraints and concerns. Um, and we also spoke to the, some of the other major contract producer players. Um, but we wound up ch- selecting Bardstown Bourbon and my primary reason for choosing them was because when I'm there they treat me like their master distiller they'll change any variable in the process that I request. Um, most distilleries, the contract produce, they give you a form. They'd say, you know, what's your recipe yeah. from the recipe and they make it their way. Um, I wanted to make it my way and Barstown bourbon is willing and excited to do that. When, when we made the first batch of forbidden bourbon there, it was the first truckload of white corn that they had received. And also the first time they had ever seen white wheat so we we're definitely pushing them, you know, to do something different. And now they make, you know, all kinds of unique experimental things. But I want to impress that Forbidden is not an experimental recipe. Um, I believe with all of the experimentation that I did leading up to producing it, um, I've, I've laid the the proving ground that it's a recipe worth building a brand on.
2: Spoken like a true chemist, right? <laughs> <laughs> you had your suspicions, you had all the data lined up and it proved, I mean, I, we're, we're drinking it right now. And, um, you know, it's really fascinating the flavors profile that comes off it. And we were debating a lot about what that mash bill composition is. And, and you said you'd be maybe willing to share that mash bill composition. Um, cause I do find it really interesting and it's going to help, I think, um, our listeners, when they go out and hunt this bottle down, we're going to tell them to hunt it down. Um, the, uh, what they'll be looking for, right, from the flavors, but the yeah. that composition when it interacts with the yeast, you know what what's happening there and why is it producing a flavor that is creamy and rich and tastes a lot older, right, uh, than what you what's what's kind of age dated or what's known for the bottle.
3: Yeah, absolutely. So the recipe is seventy five percent white corn, twelve percent white wheat, thirteen percent malted barley. Uh, and I've I've definitely not been shy about saying that I'm. I, it is unique. It's the only one of its kind that I'm aware of. I know that folks have used white corn before, and I'm aware of folks that have put white corn and white wheat together four one-off runs for experimental batches. But what I'm saying, you know, within the high percentage of barley, um, it's a recipe that we're building a brand on. We have over 8,000 barrels that we're, you know, um, aging now at different different levels and on into the future. I've done some experimentation with different chars and toasting levels and the barrels. Um, we've got some aging at Bardstown right now that were actually seasoned for three years the barrels themselves um, were seasoned for three years before we we put the new make in there. So we um, only have one mash bill, but we're doing all kinds of unique things with the product to find what's best. Um, I I think that the um, a major driver for the texture, because something that's unique about myself, I I um, I blend. And I distill for finish, so that to me is maybe the most important part of the experience. So it's is as much the flavors and the aroma as the way that it feels. If it bites you, if it burns, um, if it if it doesn't feel good on your palate and while you're drinking it, some people like that, <laughs> but most people want to want a smoother, I think, richer experience to come back for that second taste. And I did proof it down a little bit, the small batch is 95.2 uh which I think is the perfect proof level to experience it as is. Um our single barrels, we are releasing some core line single barrels as well as some unique SKU single barrels for specialty people. Um we did some uh, here in Lexington at the Railbird Music Festival for Justin Toussaint Bourbon um for their online retailer at um Bourbon Outfitter, which is who we sell through online, um, but also Liquor Barn. And there are more of those coming for for certain folks. Um, But those are nearly cask strength. So I say nearly cask strength because the proof label, uh, you guys have a bottle. (laughs) (laughs) It's pretty tiny. <laughs>
1: yes, it is. I had to like tilt it up to the
2: light. Yeah. yeah. I had to put my huge glasses on. <laughs> yeah. And I still, you know.
0: So Marianne, tell me about the tell me about the bottle. It's very unique. We were talking about the old fitz decanter earlier in the in the news segment, but who designed the bottle?
3: His name is Dale Doyle. He works for Holotype Studios in uh, Cincinnati. He is Grammy nominated. So and he he got his Grammy while we were working with him so we were just stoked because he he hadn't been nominated prior to the release of the product so now we get to brag on on that brag on oh. him um the so the shape of it the 8 point star um is It was originally going to be a nine point star. We'll just say that because there's nine letters in forbidden and on each facet on the top, we were going to put one of the letters, Um, but the glass manufacturer kind of, you know, brought us down to earth and said, you can't do a nine point star that it won't have any structural integrity. It's going to break all the time. Mm -hmm. Didn't want to do that to Bardstown who is bottling this product for us. Um, It's a major pain. Uh, So we went to eight points. And it actually has come to uh, speak to our story because it took eight years from recipe development to bring it to the market.
2: You know, uh, you have the ninth point right at the top. That's right, <laughs> and that's, so that's how
3: you have to explain it to people.
2: Is that, <laughs> that is my that is our ninth, and that is where you open the bottle. It's it's very
0: unique. Uh, there's nothing like yeah. that on the market. It's very 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 cool. What yeah. has been the what's been the biggest challenge? I mean, I mean you're. You, is it the recipe? Is it distribution? Is it bottled? Is that what's been the biggest challenge to get this on to the market?
3: Yeah. Waiting. A lot of people, even people that are close to me in my life were like, how did you hide this for so long? (laughs) And, you know, we, we were very careful um, to not say too much too soon. We wanted to have fully mature product. Like I've been tasting it all along, and my partners were like biting their nails when I I um, broke into the barrels at four years, and I said I think they need another another good summer. Um, and at five years, the stuff that that I produced myself is really um, yeah. coming into its own. So it, it, it tastes older than five and and even at four, it was delicious. Yeah. But I, I knew that uh, it would just yeah. get better. And so I am holding some back to continue to age, but white corn. So a lot of people, when they taste younger bourbon, they taste a lot of the grain and corn notes in particular and white corn just isn't as corny naturally. So it doesn't have those strong like Fritos and tortilla chip kind of character in the new make. So, and it's a little bit, you know, 75% is a high corn, but it's not the highest corn. You know, there are bourbons that produce up to 78 and 80%. And, you know, it can be a hundred percent corn and still call the bourbon. Hmm. It just has to be above 51%. Well, there's, Uh, there's no
0: heat to it. And when Joe tasted it, the first time he tried, it was right before we went Lie, we went with you and he thought it, he thought it was much older. So it tastes mm-hmm. much more mature than any, by the way, he's the expert. I'm an amateur. Kyle's kind of an amateur. He's, no, yeah. he's mid-level.
1: Yeah. Um, and I, <laughs> Mid- I can't do an amateur.
0: I can't do tasting notes or anything. Um, I, I blame it on a deviated septum, but
3: mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know. No, it's very important.
0: Uh, yes, it is. Well, I, I don't have any, so I either like it or I don't like it. And I really like this, but, um, our, uh, our in-house expert thought it was much more mature than five years. Well, yeah, it,
1: it definitely there's zero youngness to it to your point, Marianne. Like you none of that. I mean, I agree it drinks a lot older than five years, but it categorically does not taste young, like yeah, you were talking it, about.
2: So clean. Um and the finish is long. Like you have to I've been chewing on this during the interview, you know, literally chewing on, you know, first I was smelling it for a while, then I was drinking it, and I'm like, let me just chew on this and let the long uh, finish kind of deliver these really nice fruity flavors at the very end. Like a lot of whiskeys will give you oak or whatever it might be at the end, but at the end of this one, you get this pleasant, uh, I, I don't want to say dark fruit, but you know, you get a nice sweetness at the end. And, and um, have, it almost, we, we've been interviewing a number of, uh, blenders out there these master blenders that are popping up great brands expensive bottles and that was the other thing i thought about was is this a another um if it's not a blend is it a it must have secondarily finished what did they like my second question did you did they finish this in something to like achieve this flavor so you know that's a real compliment to you probably as a chemist kyle can relate to that that you've actually delivered on what you probably thought was going to produce really complex flavors and that this great viscosity, like you said, good. It's long finish. Five year old, no way. I can't believe it.
3: <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah. And to blow your mind even more, there is actually a small, small percentage of it that is the three year old from Bartstown. Nice.
1: Oh. Uh, so what's the you started to say, and I think we cut you off, but what's the what's the proof on the like the near barrel proof stuff you're doing? Is it different yeah. depending on
3: yeah cat cat, near near cast strength is just just rounded so that i can fit all the numbers on the label (laughs) (laughs) so where they've been winding up is you know between 114 and 116 so far
0: nice Nice. were those the bottles that you signed at justin's a week or two ago
2: yes Mm. you you weren't there
0: no i no i i Found out on Monday. I think she did it on a Saturday or Sunday, and I found out a little late. Otherwise, I would have driven up and grabbed
2: one. Bring your bike with you. Yeah. Yeah. Bring absolutely. We, we
3: haven't started promoting it yet, but I am going to be doing a signing at the Hamburg Liquor Barn um, in early September.
1: Oh, there we go. All right. there so didn't you say you were going to be over there soon? Ben? I probably it could, will. It be. could work. Yeah. <laughs> I'm
0: gonna I'm gonna be in Louisville on. Uh, is it the uh, what's the big the bourbon and beyond music festival with Bruno Mars. Sweet. Uh, Anyway, we're going to be there for that. I will be. I'm not taking these knuckleheads with me. (laughs) What is, uh, what's next?
3: Yeah. What's next? Uh, World domination. Uh, Building building a distillery in Montana right now with two other women. Um, We're going to be doing whiskey, rye, gin. Um, I've got an amazing female distiller that's coming to join the team. She's in Texas currently going to make a, pit stop in california and then come to montana when we're ready for her um wow. also maybe building a rum distillery down in pahokee florida i've got some really wonderful partners uh, another female owned brand um her mother was a sugar is a, still a sugarcane farmer down there and they've just got some really unique soil and a really amazing story the heritage of their family and they really want to help re- revive revitalize yeah. this this town uh, it's an interesting story um i i don't even know the number but lots of major um like uh, professional football players uh were born in this area so there's something about, I don't know, the nutrients in the soil or you know how, how the that that region in Florida, that specific um area just grows them tall and strong, I guess. <laughs>
1: I, I, well, so I those did are not both grew up there. Yes.
3: <laughs> <laughs> <Weird>.
1: <laughs> and no comment. They're those are both obviously separate from Forbidden. Like the Montana distillery, okay. that's a whole new
3: Brand, All um, thing, yeah, and i'm doing cool. some small scale blending for for different projects some that i'm um associated with some not um the the um internet gamer dr disrespect i've done two releases for him um, we're working on a a third oh shoot maybe i just spilled the beans i don't That's, know thank
2: last you <laughs>
1: We're good at that. Like We're, good. that. We're, We're actually pretty good again. We love to
2: out. we love to break news on here.
1: Yeah, oh,
3: and, uh, we had David Coors
2: right to break his big. News. Yeah,
1: <laughs> that yeah. was
3: good. Yeah, thank you, Kyle.
1: Another so Bardstown. Mark Another Bardstown and Carter
0: broke news on the podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Jackie Zakam broke news on the podcast. We like it. We mm-hmm. like it. Um, so you know, for the Kentucky's first female distiller. You're doing female owned. Uh, distilleries in, uh, in out west and the, the rum in uh, in Florida. How old are your daughters and what are they thinking? I mean, here they're <laughs> watching you just bust glass ceilings all over the place.
3: Uh, How old are they? Yeah, my daughters are three and turning two at the end of the
1: month. <laughs> oh, wow.
3: Um, we've, so Andy is like starting to recognize bourbon bottles and I've been teaching her the word bourbon because she, she saw a billboard with, um, I don't know. I think it was like, like a liquor barn advertisement or something. We were passing by liquor barn and she's like, are those mommy drinks? <laughs>
2: uh. <laughs> mommy, mommy
3: <laughs> <makes> those. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yes, they are. <laughs> Literally.
0: <laughs> All right. So I'm going to ask you the question I ask every guest, particularly the, the blenders and the distillers. Yeah. When you go home in the evening and you want to drink, what what's your go-to pour?
3: My go-to bourbon. Oh, no,
2: it can be it, it can be, can be anything. anything, any drink.
3: Yeah. Um. So recently, I've been. I, I'm. I'm a little bit all over the place. So I'll do red wine. Or uh, an IPA. I really love Deschutes um, Fresh Squeezed. Oh, yeah. Um, if I can't get that, I do Sam Adams Cherry Wheat, <laughs> mm. <laughs> which is just kind of like candy, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, I, I don't know, I love a Bloody Mary, too.
0: You know, the first three or four times I asked that question, everybody said water. <laughs> water. <laughs> and then, yeah, but now people are actually telling us. I mean, yeah. Um, but it's interesting just to see, like, because, you know, from from the outside, I mean, we're in the peanut gallery kind of looking in and the folks who have access to everything. I mean, you can get whatever you want from the distillers. I love to know what they're drinking. I mean, you know, we asked Julian Van Winkle that question and it was uh, Red Breast 12, right? Well, he would he say, yeah, I go home and I drink a Red Breast 15. Was it fifteen? Yeah, I thought it was twelve. And
2: the Weller twelve. The Weller twelve. Weller twelve was yeah. in the back pocket at the distance. Yeah, he walked around, but the Redbreast fifteen. We really liked the Redbreast.
0: But I think people are curious, like the folks that have access to everything. I mean, we, you know, we're the we're the nerds that stand in line at liquor bar and waiting on the next release. (laughs) But the people that have access to everything, what are they drinking? So it's, it's, it's very interesting to see. We
1: get a lot of wine. We've got a lot of wine, like white wine wine. people. Yeah. I mean, which I get, you want something like crisp and yeah. IPA is very different flavor than whiskey. I I get that.
3: Very different. So Um, that brings up an interesting
2: question about since you're a very diverse palate, are you thinking about, you know, um, there's a lot of finishing going on with beer and former wine casks and things like, is that something that's even interesting to you or are you really looking at, seems like the chemistry of, of the grain profile and making this mash kind of work. Where are you on the the whole finishing, you know, finishing your whiskey?
3: No, I think there's a lot of opportunity and I have um, a couple products out there on the market. The sweetens cove, 2022 was finished in Spayside Scotch casks, which I was, um, I, I developed that blend and the finishing process. And then there's also Sweetens, Sweetens Cove Tennessee, which is finished with toasted sugar maple. Um, I, I think that there's a lot of opportunity and I work for Brown Foreman in research and development. They have a like small scale maturation uh, facility on corporate campus. In the R and D um, pilot plant, their micro distillery. So I'm I made and and was a part of a lot of unique products, a lot of unique whiskeys, a lot of unique finishings. Um and and what what I want to see is people putting really excellent, thoughtful blends into those finishing barrels. Yeah. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it when people put trash whiskey into another barrel and think that they're gonna pass it off. Um, they're like, you know, this is it's so so right now, but put it in another like heavily charred new barrel and people will never know. Um, and it may be passable. It may be all right. But when you put three hundred dollars on it, like, I don't know, it really gets under my skin. And um, I know what you're doing out there.
2: <laughs> yeah, the problem, <laughs> not, the problem is
3: you can't fool me. <laughs> yeah, the
2: problem is their brands are being purchased for 40 million dollars today you know (laughs) or
1: more or more yeah yeah we've had some finished whiskeys that weren't our favorite there's some great examples I mean there's some fantastic product but there's a lot of product we have not loved
0: well the ones that I like the best I like the ones finished in the rum cast but Mm -hmm. the ones that are finished in red wine for some reason those just but that's that's just Uh, me other people love it other people really enjoy it but not, not me. I, I liked it. Yeah, yeah. Joe, Joe liked it. So, is it the white corn? all three of us, when we tasted this, or is it the or the, the white, white. wheat? Yeah. I thought that we thought it was rye. Like it's got a, it doesn't have heat, but it's got a spice. What's the spice in in Forbidden?
3: Uh, the spice can come either in during the fermentation process. So it's a low temperature fermentation. So there been, there's a little bit of, um, I don't know what to say, uh, misunderstanding about what low temperature fermentation means. So this is a process that dates back to the early 1900s. It was, um, research that was done by the Seagram's distillery back when chemists were first getting involved in the distilling process, you know, before then they, they didn't even know what yeast was. So, um, actually studying yeast and different temperatures of fermentation and the, uh, the, um, products that the yeast were producing at these different levels and times and temperatures, um, it's really fascinating that it was something that was that that seemed worth exploring when they were exploring everything and then when big corporations started taking over and every dollar and minute was under scrutiny um they started raising the temperature and and reducing the time and it's a a term that we that we hear all the time in the culinary world low and slow um, but if you take the temperature down in fermentation initially, the yeast start a little slower, and at those lower temperatures, they're actually producing different flavors. So some of the spices coming in during the fermentation, um, different chemical reactions that are happening with the different components that are being produced by the yeast, and also that are um, already in there um, naturally, naturally in the grains. Um, it it um, also comes into play in the barrel so different spice components can be developed um they're either just extracted from the barrel there's some spiciness um in the charred barrel or again you know the oxidation the interactions of these different chemicals with the air that comes in um to the whiskey as as it's aging over time love
0: it joe she knows more than you know
2: hi i'm a handy
3: just a touch
2: (laughs) just as as much (laughs)
0: Marianne, thank you so much for coming on. We truly appreciate your time. Congratulations. Yes. Um, Thank you. I love the bottle design, but the juice in it is phenomenal.
2: We're doing a good number on it. Um, Yeah. (laughs) Joe will
0: probably finish that off. So My
2: wife wife is always like, "Uh, you've been there for two hours. I know what you're doing. Yeah.
3: (laughs) Tell us, uh,
0: where can folks find Forbidden?
3: Yeah. Uh, so Forbidden is available. I think there's still some left on bourbonoutfitter.com. We keep selling out and trying to restock them. So I, I believe there is some available currently. Um, it's also distributed in Kentucky and South Carolina. Um, we are hoping that before the holidays, we'll be in one more state. And we're just not sure at this time who it's going to be. It's kind of a race to get our licenses in Tennessee or Georgia. So,
0: Oh, there we go. There we go. <laughs> well, we've got a lot of people. Our number one state is, that listen to the podcast is Texas. Number two is California.
3: Yeah. Oh, wow. Uh,
0: yeah. So, but if you, uh, regardless of where you are, urbanoutfitter.com. Yeah, yeah They ship um, to
3: California they, and Texas.
0: They ship to California They and they ship quickly. Uh, this is where the first bottle of this is a, we're actually on our second bottle, by the way,
3: <laughs> Aww, uh, thanks.
0: you know what? It's all about research. We have to do our homework. We have to do our research. So yeah. Um, you can get it on uh, uh, bourbonoutfitter.com. They ship quickly and you can get it in Kentucky and um, hopefully a few other states very, very soon.
3: Yeah, Marianne, Kentucky, South Carolina.
0: Congratulations. And uh, would love to have you back sometime in the future when you, uh, when you launch your next uh, your next uh, brand or next bottle or whatever you're going to come out with. We'd love to have you back on.
3: Yeah. yeah, sure thing. Maybe sooner than later. Um, If you keep your eyes peeled, there's something coming with the, we didn't talk about it, but the Eves Foundation is something that I recently started and there'll be um, some interesting things aligned with that initiative as well.
0: Oh, very cool. So is that, tell Tell us a little bit before we go off. What is the Eves Foundation?
3: So the Eves Foundation, I just announced Um, it it's, being, we're working on, um, funding the endowment right now. And once that's fully funded, um, it will generate scholarships to support, um, underrepresented communities that mm-hmm. want to, you know, get into the industry of, of booze. So not just bourbon, not just spirits, but also beer and wine and, you know, I'm um, targeting all underrepresented communities.
0: Oh, that's fantastic. That's so, great. Congratulations on that. Thank as well. you.
3: Thank you. So
0: thanks, Miriam. I Take
3: appreciate it. Thank, Thank you. you.
1: Bye. Man, what an
0: incredible, incredible interview. Great whiskey, great interview. I love it.
1: Gosh, she's doing so much. I didn't I wanted to ask her. I'm pretty sure, and I think it was during the pandemic, and I don't know this was between it was probably between Castle and Key and then Forbidden. She had like a super high end. Kind of bespoke sampling club where she would send you four or six—I don't know how many samples every couple months—and it was like supposed, to, you know, I don't, I don't know what it was, but you were getting like high-end whiskey, and it was really like beautifully packaged. And I never had it, but I—I I mean, she's—it's yeah. done a lot of different things.
0: I was reading about that as well, and then she, you know, she had this great consulting business. She helped yep. Peyton Manning with.
1: Yes, Sweden's Cove is what she was talking about. Yeah, Yeah,
0: that hurt his brand so. uh, Man, she's done it all. She's done it all, and you know the the more that I drink of this, the more I love it. The more I love it, and I enjoyed it from the very first pour. I thought honestly, thought there was rye. Yeah, it's. But it's not hot. It's not hot, but it has a great like. It's got this nice spice to it.
2: Yes, it's it's what wheat. You know, uh, when when a weeded bourbon is done right, it can fool you. Right, it can really bring out those sweet but like spicy flavors. You're know, not expecting them, um, but it was uh, fascinating. Uh, yeah, none
1: of us called it though. You, I mean, Ben and I said yeah, the same no, thing. I, we knew what it was. You didn't. Yeah. You didn't know before we started recording, and no none idea. of us could figure out what it was. But yeah. I, in a good way, I think it's yeah. It was very. It's an interesting flavor. We said it with her, like it's not, it does not drink young in the least. No. It tastes much older. It tastes like an eight or nine-year-old whiskey.
2: Yeah. It's smooth. It's balanced and it has a great long finish. Um, and it's, you know, it's not, um, it's not secondarily finished to produce those flavors. That's mm. really impressive. And Kyle, uh, you know, you can see her chemist approach to this it's like so you know it was very methodical about her approach of like okay i'm going to produce this kind of you know bourbon i've I've done my research and this is how things are going to interact this is um you know the whole concept of the low um fermentation low
1: yeah low temperature
2: fermentation fascinating i mean that stuff i you know if i if i was uh if i didn't have you know ADD growing up as a kid. And of course, they didn't diagnose well, it as a, a kid? kid. Is
1: that we're we're just as a kid? Is that what we're saying?
2: Uh, probably like <laughs> as a grown adult as well, because I have a thousand ideas going on all the time in my head. But, you know, like like that, that's the kind of stuff I think is so fascinating. And you yep. you're right that you're in the thick of that.
1: Well, it's it's so different. I mean, we talk all the time. We've had so many blenders and there's so many interesting things going on, but she's like a purist as a distiller. I mean, Forbidden. Now she's she's told us about some of the other things she's doing outside of that. But Forbidden, the brand, it sounds like it is one mash bill. And they're gonna do other stuff with it, and they're gonna release, you know, cast strength, and they're gonna do, you know, double barreling or whatever. But like it's pretty cool that they're like, No, 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 this is our mash bill. We're not, we're not deviating from that. Like we're going to create a whole product lineup from this. so different from so many people we've talked to.
2: Well, the, and, and to kind of go off that, I mean, it even goes a step further. I mean, there, I mean, she's saying, look, I've done my research. I'm a chemist here. I kind of understand, you know, the, you know, kind of what's going to produce the kind of flavor that I want to get out of this. And she's gone as far as to say, well, you know, I want to use white corn. I want to use white yeast E H Taylor, you know, th- there's rooted history in this there's rooted yep. research in the way I want to ferment, you know, my, my bourbon. And this is the way I'm doing it. And by golly, before I even first dro- drop of this comes out, I know it's going to be a superior bourbon. And sure enough, like she said, she tried that four year juice came out and she tried it out of the barrel and she's like, oh, this is exactly what I thought it was going to be. And here we are drinking that, that kind of the first droppings of the five year. And it's good. I'm, I'm going to have to think about this tonight. I wish I could take a bottle home. You know, I really want to like chew on and literally chew on this for a couple of days and then come back and say, this is how I feel about it. You're not I'm taking my now. bottle. Yes.
1: Yes. Sorry. No. Something else that's interesting to me. Shout out, and we need to have them on the 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 guys running the business at Bardstown Bourbon because, as exacting as she is about the approach, she's using them as a partner. Like, and it was cool hearing her talk about how. Uh, willing they are to basically say like, okay, you're, you are the distiller for this product. Tell us what you want to do. We'll change anything you want. Like, yeah, it's our facility. And they're that whole business model and the way they've done it, It's fascinating to me.
0: You know, her approach. And it's, it's funny. If you go back and look at the guests that we've had on, we've had, we've had great guests. I mean, master blenders, master distillers, master tasters, you name it. We've had it. She is her approach is like, it's almost pure science. Yeah it's and and I assume that it's just the background, but you know you've got some people that will just blend and taste until they get it right. She knew what she was going to get when she put it in, when she you know had the grain show up. She yep. knew what she was going for. and that's that's a whole different approach than what we've seen from other guests.
2: and it's a laboratory. That's all it is, yeah. and and the thing is, she also recognizes she had, had to build a big giant distillery to produce it. She realizes it's a process. It's the grains that I want to use. It's how I'm going to produce this. It's going to give me the result. It's like a laboratory, whether it's in Shanghai or in Dublin, Ireland or in uh, in the United States. Like if you have the right right recipe, they have the right ingredients. You you give them the direct specific instructions. This is how I want things to be done this is what goes into here and I, I didn't realize i guess kyle the extent at barstown how how flexible they were that they would literally i mean that you have like someone from yeah who says not only are you going to you know i want you to just distill whiskey for me and set it off but this is how i want you to do it
1: yeah i didn't either and I kind of thought it. i kind of thought i mean maybe maybe i assumed it was more like MGP than it is in the sense I thought they kind of had their products and yeah, they would, you know, do different things with them. But yeah, I did not understand. Like you basically are going in, if you have the knowledge she has, you are the distiller for your product and they'll do whatever you want. That's, I mean, that's amazing. That's why the business model is really cool to me. And by the way, for her, the business model or for her and her partners are forbidden. I mean, good for them. They didn't have to sink $20 million or whatever it is into a distillery. It's like, no, 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 we can distill and control it. But we're going to use someone else's capital investment like that. Work,
2: work smarter, not harder. Yeah. So my, my my question for Ben is because you, you control the social media. Uh, is
1: you just gave away our secret? They thought it's... you and I were.
2: Hey, <laughs> look, like, we're the brains, and you know we're the we're, we're the kind of no one has accused us of that, Joe. The beautiful color around bourbon <laughs> podcast, but we make we make we the viscosity of bourbon podcast is thick because of the us.
1: mouth the mouthfeel yeah
2: feels so good <laughs> but my point um then is um it's it's a great you know for, this is a very good bourbon and mm-hmm. we're, here we are we're gonna we're gonna do this podcast and people that listen to us listen to us because they they learn something from what we're trying to do they get excited about it and then they want to hunt it down or they want to go try it how the hell are they going to try this? They're going to come to your house? They're going to line up in RVs and say, "Hey, we want a, a shot." <laughs> no, she said forbidden? it's still. She
1: said she yeah. said it's still available on uh, Bourbon
0: sorry, Outfitter, like, right? Yeah, before. Bourbon Outfitter has it, and you know they they do a great job at shipping, and you can get it in two or three days. But is there anything I, I, left? But, but the yeah. yeah, the small batch is yeah. still out there. But I the the um, barrel proof or the the higher octane one, I think you have to go. You know, I don't. I'd be shocked at this point if Justin's has any left, because I think there were yeah, about not. twenty bottles left, and I was pushing it out on social media. But she well, addressed all these bottles.
1: She just told us the uh, liquor burn. She's going to be at soon. Liquor so don't people uh, yeah.
0: don't remind people because I'm going to go stand. Yeah. I'm going to be. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go and wait. I'm going to get some of that.
2: <laughs> a lot of it.
0: Um. You know that. Well, first of all, it's a really cool interview, and it it's it was interesting to see her approach versus some of the other guests that we've had on just a completely different yep. approach to distilling and yeah. blending and, um, damn, she's really smart. Yeah. Like
1: really. Yeah. She's, she's got a lot really going smart. on, man. Good for her. She has a lot of, a lot of irons in the fire. Wow. Yeah,
2: She wouldn't be a, like a, like a master taster, like you said, you know, yeah. or like quote a master, you know, distiller. I mean, she truly is like a, uh, I, I can't, it's hard to explain of all the different bright and incredibly um, like uh, advanced people in the bourbon industry that are doing different things right now. She has her own piece of this. There's no doubt about it. And I had no idea. Yeah. It's fascinating.
1: Yeah. I, 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 we need to wrap up, but the rum, the rum idea is fascinating. I'm yeah. telling you, that's like yeah. an unexplored yeah. part of the spirits world is like high end rums. And yeah. she's going to do it yep. in Florida with like historical family. Like that's cool.
2: That is,
0: cool. I mean, what a great example for her two daughters. Yeah. I mean, she's kicking ass, and they're just, they're, they probably don't understand it now, but when they're no. a little bit older, they're going to be like, man, she did that. Yeah, she was Mom, the first yeah, of wow, this wow. and the first of that. And she did this down in Florida. And yeah, wow. Folks, pick this up. The bottle is really cool. The juice is outstanding. Joe, two thumbs up.
2: Yeah. I, 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 I got to hunt some down and I just have to figure out whether want we'll to do it online, Ben, or just have you go to the liquor bar and wait in line for me and Kyle. <laughs> <laughs> I'll do that for you, buddy. <laughs> yeah. I'd say you need it. I think everybody that um, if, if, if you're a, a Weller, you know, weeded bourbon fan or makers weeded bourbon or larceny barrel proof, um, you know, the, um, this is a, this is a weeded bourbon. Uh, But it's using uh, white wheat and it's using white corn. And this is, um, you sometimes taste a little of all those things in what she's trying to do, but it's a completely different, like in the end, flavor profile profile and finish. So, Do yourself a favor, pick up Forbidden. Uh, We
0: tasted the small batch. If you can find a bottle of the barrel proof, uh, email us, let us know how it is. Thanks for tuning in. Are you enjoying Bourbon Podcast? Be sure to leave us a review. Let us know how we're doing. And by the way, thanks for listening.